Welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. This week, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to a friend of mine, Josiah Keneally. Josiah just has a huge heart for young adults, kind of that age range between 18 and 30, kind of in between college and adulthood and that kind of thing. And that's just, honestly, it's an age group that oftentimes is forgotten about in church ministry. You have a lot of programming for young kids and middle school kids, high school kids, and obviously for adults and small groups. But that age range where kids are leaving college and entering into adulthood often can be forgotten about. And so Josiah and his wife, Micah, have really just done a lot of work to focus on that age range and really minister to that age group of people. So we talked about his ministry, what they're doing for young adults and how he got that idea. But we also just talked about a lot of issues that face young adults and young Christians right now, things that they can focus on to be leaders in the faith, but also things to guard our hearts against as we go out and try to share faith with other people. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with my friend, Josiah Keneally. Well, Josiah Keneally is my guest this week on the In No Hurry podcast. Josiah, how you doing, man? Cool. I'm doing great. Doing really fantastic. It's great to be on the In No Hurry podcast, especially in a world that, man, there's so much chaos. There's so much going on in the year that we're in right now, recording 2020 fall. And man, I'm doing great. Um, my spirits are lifted. They're, they're up. I'm optimistic and positive about what God's doing and really just thankful for the opportunity to spend some time together today, man. Yeah, when I created this show back in the fall of last year, around November, wow. obviously I had no idea that 2020 was going to play out the way that it did. And it's funny because um, at the end of the show, I always ask my guests, you know, what do you do to kind of uh, you know, eliminate the hurry from your life? And uh, what's funny is this year it's kind of been done for us where we don't have anything to, to rush us. You know, we've kind of been slowed down already. And so uh, it's kind of been... Uh, God's provision. It's been cool to see that how, you know, through this podcast and this little ministry that it is. And uh, not that I ever wish a pandemic to happen, but uh, the slowing down part of life, I think has been, at least for me, it has been really nice. And so what about you? I mean, how, how is uh, the, the pandemic and the, the lockdown quarantine season, how has that affected you guys? And, and how have you kind of been able to navigate through that? Oh my gosh, what a year. I mean, it's like, where do you even begin? I look at like, <laughs> Um, I look back a year and I think of like, um, we started planning about a year ago, a conference called the Young Adults Today Conference. And it happened March 13th and 14th. It's like right when everything shut down. Yeah. Dude. And it was at Mall of America and we're like checking nonstop updates from the governor of Minnesota. We're checking nonstop updates from the Assemblies of God headquarters and just like also knowing that people are traveling from around the nation to come to this event. And it was like, a day later that COVID-19 shut down the Mall of America, shut down like the airport, shut down the world. And so that was like our last event, man. And at the time, my wife was like eight months pregnant. Her name's Micah. And we didn't know if we're having a, a boy or a girl. And the crazy part on top of that is we didn't know if I was going to be able to be in the yeah. delivery room yeah. or not because of just every day the nurses and doctors and medical field, they're releasing new orders, new executive orders from the government top down. So I mean, it has been a crazy year. And then fast forward to April, we became parents. So I mean, we um, obviously had a shelter in place for a bit and, and try to figure out how to be parents <laughs> and how to parent in a pandemic when neither are normal for us. And but at the same time, Cole, like I'll tell you three things. I woke up and every day I wanted to spend time with Jesus. Every morning I tried to go for a run, rain or shine. And every morning I tried to like read something, write something, um, and not just consume content, but create more than I'm consuming and just adding value that way. So, I mean, coming now, like September, it's fall now, like we lead a college ministry and our campus is completely online for this semester, likely this year. Yeah. And we just had to adapt, man. It's like we lost all momentum with the old model, yeah. but the mission has not changed. It's like our mission is unshakable. It's the mission of Jesus. And so 
like we've gotten more creative and everything was disrupted. Um, good models, bad models. And so now we don't know if they're good or bad. They're just new and they're just creative. And I think of something that Dallas Willard said that probably like means a lot to you, but it means a lot to me. And that's like, he said, mentoring a guy named John Ortberg, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from life. And then John Ortberg was mentoring a guy named John Mark Comer. And he said, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And then now clearly that book may have impacted you. It's impacted me, all three of those authors. And so I love the vision, Cole, of what you're doing. I think that Curry has been ruthlessly eliminated from (laughs) the world. And so it's just a matter of now, will we go back to the way it once was? Yeah. That's, and that's what I'm curious to see because there have been so many things that we have realized we can do our life without so many things. Like I'm a huge sports fan. I know you're a big sports fan. We didn't have sports for a while this year. And honestly, like I was okay without it for a little bit. And I'm glad that baseball is back and glad sports are back. But like, I also realized I can go an entire summer without watching a single baseball game. And I, and I was, and I lived to tell about it and not, not that I ever wish this to, to happen again, but I think, you know, I had pastor German gray on my show last week and he said, I think COVID has unearthed a lot of things that were within us that were not Jesus. And I yep. think that was a really good way to put it because so many people place their identity in so many different things that they weren't able to, partake in during COVID and they've realized really quickly that holy cow I've been putting my stock in so many things that could be taken away from me at any moment I mean from like that night you're talking about March 13th I remember I was actually my wife and I went to Louisville Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Trey Kennedy but he's a Christian comedian so we went to see Trey Kennedy and then uh, the guy that does all of his videos his name is Jake Triplett he's a good friend of mine and we got to after the show, Jake and my wife and I went to dinner and we were watching the TV and it was like, I remember the big 10 tournament was playing. And so Indiana was playing Nebraska. And that was like the last college basketball game that I watched because the next day, that was the night actually when Rudy Gobert came down with it. I think uh, Donovan Mitchell. So the NBA kind of shut down. Then the next day, everything shut down. And so we were like, well, we're really glad we got to go see the show right before everything shut down. But that's the last like public thing we've gotten to do. And so it's just crazy how from March until now in the you know the late fall we are I guess early fall because today but today that we're talking is the first day of fall so I guess early fall things are still crazy like you know you're watching sports there's no fans in the stands uh, we don't really know like what's going to happen with uh, the rest of, of sports the rest of the year like NFL hopefully will keep going on um, college football hopefully will keep going on but we don't know and it's just you know like you said after this like what will life be like are we going to continue to go back to some of the habits we had, or are we going to use this to change how we live? So, I I mean, I think it's a really good way to put it. But yeah, I mean, this year, it's just been one of those where I've tried to reflect. We were talking before we recorded about it, about how, you know, this year has been so hard for a lot of people about trying to take the approach of, we've been able to get so much closer to God in this year. We've been able to learn so many things about our own faith because a faith that's not tested can't be trusted. And so this year, I think all of our faiths have been tested as hard as they could possibly be. Well, I guess some people have had it a lot harder. I can't, you know, I have thankfully not gone through um, what some people have had to go through, unfortunately, but you know, all of us have been tested in some degree. We've had, we've gone through something in some way we've been affected, whether that was our job, whether that's friends, whether that's family, whether it was our health, we've been tested like crazy this year. And so um, I think for me, I I told you before the show, before we recorded, like I feel like I have I've grown to have a deeper faith in God this year, and I'm trying to have that approach. You know, whenever you think about it that way too. I mean, I know that we, you were kind of sharing the similar sentiments, but uh, as you look as you look at 2020, we're kind of in the the last quarter of the year. Um, when you look at it through that lens of your faith, you know, what, what kind of concepts or ideas come to mind? Man, <clears throat> that's a good question. I think that just one of the things that you said that stood out to me, Cole, that resonated is that you, I think you said it, that a faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. And I look at another thing James says is he says that consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I think that you know somebody who's greatly inspired me a lot is Angela Duckworth, her work called Grit. 
And oh my word, she defines grit as passion multiplied by perseverance. And I think we have a lot of passion in our world, a lot of passion in young people. And maybe what we're lacking at times is perseverance or grit or stick with itness. And I mean, Jesus hung on the cross. So that allows me to hold on to hope. And I know that if my savior faced hardships, that 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 means I'm not exempt, that nobody's off the hook. So I think that um, that's not a popular message, but I yeah. think that that's, that's truly following Christ is understanding there might be testing, there might be trials, there might be perseverance that works in my heart. There might be tribulation, there might be, um, you know, persecution and wearing a mask is not persecution, different things like that. I'm not getting political. I'm just saying like, right. we haven't seen what the early church faced and yet their faith was on fire and we see the miraculous, the majestic, the mystical, and it's incredible. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the, the verse about endurance and, uh, really a couple of years ago, I started putting together a book proposal for what I hope will eventually become a book. And, and the tentative title actually is Faith That Endures. Um, and it's all about, you know, the, being certain about things that we are supposedly uncertain about. And so um, the idea of endurance has really been on my mind a lot. And I think this year, more than any year since I started working on that, have I felt the need to have endurance. And you mentioned how you're a runner. And that's one of those things. It's one of those images where if you start running, it's going to take you a long time to build up the endurance to run for miles and miles and miles. Same thing with working out, like working out. It's horrible whenever you're first starting out because you're not used to the pain. You're not used to the, the, just like the soreness that you feel day and day, but you know that what's happening is your muscles are becoming stronger. And when you're running more and more, you're becoming in better shape. Your lungs can withstand more running. Your legs can withstand it. And Going through those, I mean, it's it's a very, I think, elementary way of thinking about it, but it's true. Like those are the, when, when you go through these times in life, like our faith does become so much stronger when, and we learn to endure. And so what I've really seen and what I've been encouraged by are Christians who, um, they've not been deterred by this season. They've not used 2020 as a reason to to leave their faith, to, to you know, to be um, upset or angry at at God for what's happening, which, I mean, I, I've read Barnabas Piper's book about help my unbelief. And I think that's uh, asking those questions is ultimately it's a, it, it can lead you to a stronger faith, but yeah. I've been really encouraged by the Christians who this year have, have basically kind of taken almost like a uh, opposition approach where they're like, I'm not falling into the trap of, of blaming God or doing anything like that this year. I'm actually using it to become stronger in my faith. And I think that word endurance, I think is a good word, I guess, to describe how Christians should be approaching 2020. Well, and when, when you talk about endurance, I think right away of uh, 10 years ago, I started working out with a friend of mine and we would lift five days a week while I was in college. And we, we lifted at like 6am to 7am. And every morning in the locker room, there was this guy named Joe at Lifetime Fitness in Bloomington the South location. And he was just like, dude, Joe could have been on the cover of men's health magazine. He had cool hair, um, kind of like just this ripped guy. And I, one day I was just like, Joe, I just got to tell you that when I grow up, I want to be like you, I'm inspired. <laughs> and, and he's like crushing his workouts every morning by himself. And I was like, man, and here's what he told me. Cool. This is crazy. He's like, he's like, well, he's, he's like, just don't stop. He's like, you're in great shape now. Don't take a break. He's like, it's a lot harder to come back once you've taken a break. And he's like, you can totally come back. But he's like, why wouldn't you just stay in great shape the rest of your life? And, you know, I think that when we study Timothy, he says, 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value in all things, holding the promise both for the present life and the life to come. And there's a spiritual message in that, in that like train physically and don't stop. But with our faith, train spiritually, don't take a break from the one who is broken for you. Like don't take a spiritual hiatus. You don't need to go down that path. It doesn't lead to a good place. Stick with it. 
Yeah. We had a sermon uh, earlier this year at our church here that, that kind of goes along with that. And the whole purpose of it was study through Hebrews and which is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I think many Christians would feel that that's the same. I mean, it's one of the most beautifully written pieces of work, but you know, one of the, the, the main tenets of that sermon was basically in, in your, in your wandering, don't drift away from God, like wandering and drifting can be different now, and, and kind of using the example of like uh, a boat that has an anchor, you know, if you drift away, you never know where you're going to end up. And so I think kind of like you're saying, like when you're going through these, these, these hard times, like 2020 has been really hard. Yeah. You know, don't, don't just quit, keep going. Cause what's ultimately going to happen is when we get out of this, you're going to be so much stronger, both mentally, emotionally, but ultimately spiritually. So it's a great way to put it. Um, so let's talk about your, uh, your podcast, Young Adults Today. Talk to me about what was the the heart behind it, uh, and how did you and your wife come up with the idea for it? Man, that's a loaded question. I'll give it a stab <laughs> here, Cole. You know, like it came about last year, twenty nineteen. So it's been going just over a year. I think we just crossed the fifty or sixty episode mark. And what's crazy though is it started a lot further back than that for me. Um, I actually had a plan in life to go to school for business, to graduate and to start and become an entrepreneur. And it was in 2010 that God asked me to cancel those career plans and to go back to school for ministry. So I lost some credits, I transferred, Mm -hmm. but I remember arriving in chapel at North Central University and it was like the spirit of God spoke to me, this is exactly where you belong. And it was an inch off but it was an inch closer. It was an inch off of my plan, but it was an inch closer to God's plan. And it was while I was there, I was going to school for youth ministry. I had a great youth pastor growing up at, um, at church. And what's crazy though, I would bother and bug all of my college professors because I'd ask in these pastoral theology about young adults? What about 18 to 30 year olds? What about college students? What about the next generation after youth group? And man, they, they didn't have a lot of answers and it really left me discouraged, but committed. Like I had this holy discontent. And then in 2012, I was a year away from graduation and I had this dorm dream moment on my parents' living room couch. So it wasn't in a dorm, but it was my college university moments are where dorm dreams are born. And I had this vision from God and I had read the book of Ecclesiastes in one sitting. I'm not sure if I recommend that, (laughs) but I was just praying before God. And I just said, God, I want something that provides meaning and purpose. And if you give me something worth dying for, I'll live for you. I'll live for it. Yeah. He did. He gave me a vision of thousands of young adults serving Jesus. And that got my feet moving into young adult ministry. And um, it got my feet moving into the prayer room at our church. And there was four of us, uh, Cedar Valley Church in Bloomington in 2012, 2013, that just started praying. Who could we invite? We got the blessing of our lead pastor. Um, He even opened up his own home for a barbecue for us. And and we just watched as 15 young adults showed up, 30, 50, 150 came to that barbecue at our pastor's house. And um, this vision was so crystal clear that God gave me a, a giant burden that for over a decade, Cole, it hasn't lessened. It's intensified. Like wow. what I live for is to share my faith and, and really to help 18 to 30 year olds not wander aimlessly but live intentionally and not waste their life, but invest their life for the kingdom of God, for his glory, for the things that matter most. And man, so at the same time in 2013, my wife, I'm in Minnesota, didn't know her. We weren't married. We weren't engaged. We weren't friends. And she was one state over in North Dakota, praying a lot of the same prayers, not only about a future spouse, but praying about young adult ministry. And uh, that's her side of the story. But I remember the, the day she showed up and it was something special. I met her in the lobby at our church after a service and um, she got plugged, plugged in right away as one of our key volunteers. And I didn't disciple women. And here's this gal going to school for young adult ministry. And quickly she started to invest in our life group leaders and our small group leaders and the young women. And 
pretty soon we went on a mission trip to China. That changed everything. I saw her heart, saw yeah. just who she is. And so fast forward, we started, started dating. So we were friends for a year, did ministry together, started dating. We got engaged on St. Patrick's Day. I'm Irish. There I'm, you lucky. Go. <laughs> I'm lucky because she said yes or blessed because God ordained it. But um, that was at the Grand Canyon in 2017. We got married in June 2017. We may have seen you there. We were there for our honeymoon. You got to be kidding. We were there That's for, epic. that was part of, we did a, a multi-stop uh, multi trip. We went to Zion National Park, then down to the Grand Canyon, then wow. down to Sedona. And we got married, it was in December of 2017. Oh my gosh, bro. So that's epic. And I mean, there, it's cool. This gal, we don't even know her, but kind of like you, she had just gotten engaged. She had the nicest camera we'd ever seen. She took our engagement photos for wow. us, unasked for. She just did it. Wow. Ran across the South Rim. And so, I mean, man, it's just a fun story of God's faithfulness. And then, you know, I was on staff at a church and my wife is equally called. She's passionate. We're, we're really, it's not he and it's not she. Now it's we that we yeah. got married. And so in 2018, we kind of took a bold step and launched a campus ministry. We left the job that I was at to do full-time college ministry together. So, but we had both worked as young adults pastors at a church. We have both now been campus ministry leaders. And when you look across the country, there's not books written on young adult ministry. Yeah. There's not a podcast on young adult ministry. There's, there wasn't a conference and it's just like, that was the vision. It's yeah. you guys. If who's going to stand in the gap, if not you guys. So man, that's loaded, but that's where it came from. And yeah. it was like overnight, hundreds of people joined the Facebook group overnight we found out listeners found the podcast that, that are now launching young adult ministries weekly. Um, this wow. afternoon I saw on Instagram, somebody who attended the conference in March, they just launched their young adult ministry. I'm like, praise God. So, you know, it's just one of those things that started probably as a dorm dream and we still haven't seen the completion of that vision, but it's being partially fulfilled every day. Wow. I love all of that. And I think what you guys are doing is such a needed demographic. And, and I'm so grateful because the church that we have here has a very good young adult ministry for you know, people, eight, 18 to thirties. And we're yes. so grateful to be a part of it. We actually just last night, uh, we just launched our uh, small groups that are going to be based out of that group. And so my wife and I are in a, a small young married couples group. And we're very grateful for that because not every church has uh if they have one, it may not be a very uh, you know dedicated young adult ministry. It is kind of a gap age. Like I remember, my, you know, whenever I first graduated college, I was about 22, and uh, my first job out of college, I went to school for journalism, and so I was working as a sports a sports writer for a newspaper. And it was in a town that I didn't know anybody. I really liked the church that I was going to, and I wanted to get involved with the small group. But um, every time I tried to get into a group, it was always people that were in there at the time late twenties, early thirties, married with kids. And I was a single guy just out of college wanting to right. meet some other guys or girls in my age bracket. And it, you know, they're just, there's always yeah. kind of a weird gap between high school. And then it's like, well, now you're an adult. So here's the, here's adulthood. It's like, well, I want to meet some people that are still trying to figure out adulthood, even if they are married, like we don't have any kids yet. So like we want to meet people that are within our demographic. And so I think what you guys are doing is definitely a much needed ministry area because there's just not a whole lot for it because it's almost like that forgotten that forgotten age group because yes. it's like you're in college so when, like, when you're in college at least for me we had college ministries on campus mm -hmm. uh, and some of the colleges do stuff for, for college students but then it's like once you're graduated from college and you're working a full-time job it's kind of like well welcome to adulthood <laughs> so and and that forgotten generation Cole their rally cry is what about us? Yeah. They're showing up to church. They're visiting. They're streaming online now more than ever. They're, they're trying, many of them. There's sincere faith in a lot of them. Yeah. And their rally cry is what about us? Yeah. And man, we've got to do better. We, we've got to call out the church, capital C, in, in love, in truth, saying like we're we we need to do better, and we're going to be part of the solution. We can do better, and in love, let's do better. And, and that demographic is ultimately who are going to be the next leaders in the church, and so it only makes sense to invest in them. How much of that aspect led into to this heart that you guys have for that age group? And I think that I grew up at a church, amazing church. I told you about 
man, I got saved at a Billy Graham event in 1996, wow. the Metrodome. Um, it was a lifelong decision. I grew up in kids' church, in youth group, became a youth leader, became an intern. The youth pastor who I had discipled me five days a week, lifting weights in the gym and running marathons. And he is my best friend to this day. We do campus ministry in the same city. And I just look at Cole, like our church growing up, um, probably 2,000 people on a given Sunday, 1,500, 2,000, tons of families, large kids wing, a vision for tomorrow, man. Like there's a huge youth group, entire $14 million youth expansion. There's a charter school that met there. And when I was 18, um, the service times were 8.30 and 11. And I would go to both sometimes Mm -hmm. and um, or especially if I went to the, I was like the only 18 year old in the 831 and I was the youngest <laughs> person by far. Yeah. And just in our church, there was not young adults. It was missing. And I felt like I want to do something about that. And then I looked, it's not just our church. It's not just our city. It's not just in Minnesota. This is a national issue Yeah. and we've got to do something about it, but it, it starts one person at a time, one dream at a time, one one burden at a time. So, I mean, that's, man, that's like, we've got to do better. And, and we are doing better. Like I see more young adult ministry leaders than ever are coming out of the woodwork and God's calling people and they're, they're listening. They're answering the call. Yeah. A lot of our leaders at our church are young adults and it's, it's encouraging. Not that we want to favor our age group over anybody, but it is encouraging to see so many people in our age bracket stepping up and saying, I want to be a leader in the church. I want to take the next, the man, the mantle of the church going forward, you know, and that kind of leads into my next question. You know, whenever we think about um, where we are in our lives right now and, and our walk with, with Jesus, what do you see as maybe some of the most pressing issues that face young Christian leaders right now that we need to be on top of that we need to be uh really good leaders of, I mean, I know that there's a lot of political issues, there's racial issues, but what do, what do young Christian leaders need to be at the forefront of right now? Oh my gosh, you hit a few of them right there. I, I just look at this though, Cole. Young adults in our world today are the most researched generation of all time, yeah. and yet the least reached. They are the most connected digitally with social media and screens, yet they're the most lonely. Mm-hmm anxious and depressed generation of all time. And so, I mean, we have a lot of resources, information at our disposal, but there's um, at the heart of it, a God-shaped hole that only Christ can fill. There is a community, a longing for community. Our, um, we, our primary setting of ministry full-time is at a community college. The thing they are lacking, it's the fifth largest community college in America. Wow. 15,000 students go here. That the is thing love lacking, college. <laughs> oh my word. More than a lot of universities. Yeah. And the thing lacking there is in their name. It's community. Yeah. So you have a Christ issue at the center of it. You have a community issue of friendship, loneliness. Um, things of life are better found and discovered relationally in community. So you have that. You have cultural issues that you talked about. We're politically divided, racially divided, and you have a culture that longs for unity. And um, you have the issue of the local church. Is that going to be a part of my life? And, and you have, man, career issues, calling issues, character issues, and all of these challenges. A lot of them are ideological, a lot of them are theological. But at the center of it, you have kind of this window of time when you're 18 to 24, 25, those early years of your 20s, man, the first four years of your 20s impact the next 40 years and beyond. And so I think that's why going to campus ministry is so vital. That's why for churches to lean into the demographic of college students and young adults, like you said, 18 to 30 year olds, that's why it's so huge. You're making the biggest lifelong decisions i mean you have a child that will change your world <laughs> not over, like it is overnight but you get nine months to prepare for it. but you have a kid and that changes your whole world you're for a the rest of your life now yeah the rest of your life it doesn't stop you get married you say i do that if you get married like that is a lifelong 
decision. When you follow Jesus, it's a lifelong decision. When you decide kind of your career, and I get it that there's the rise of the gig economy and more of a transient culture with with careers and passions and skill sets that are always melding and molding. But these things of what, you know, where you go to college, who you marry, uh, the type of friend group you're going to surround you with, where you're going to live for crying out loud. A lot of those decisions, the majority of them, you decide and determine and discover while you're a young adult. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I I think about, my life. I mean, I got married in my twenties, you know, I, I changed careers. I never thought that I'd become a teacher. Um, but I think that was what you talked about earlier, how you kind of felt the vision from God. That was one of those things where it came very clear and, uh, glad that I'm doing that. But I went to school for journalism, thought that I'd be a sports writer the rest of my life. And then quickly realized that there's not, uh, not a lot of money, not that, not that there's a lot of money in teaching either, but it was going to be very hard to have the life that I wanted doing that. And so thankfully, uh, you know, as a young adult, I was able to have the provision to, to move right. and careers, but that's huge. One thing that, that we talked about a little bit earlier and it got me thinking, and I'm curious your take on this. So you mentioned how technologically young adults are, are some of the most connected, mm-hmm. um, this year with so many ministries and churches going virtual because of COVID, my hope is that there are a lot of people, young adults and anybody at any age that maybe felt more comfortable taking in church for the first time virtually because maybe they were intimidated by going in person. In your own experience with your ministry, have you seen that where maybe people that ordinarily would not have come to your ministry or gone to church that are young adults that are millennials that were maybe more open to accepting that because they could watch it on their phone or their computer screen this year? For sure. I think that what you're talking about is, I think it, by the way, I'm optimistic about this. I I believe it's prophetic that it's going to be normal to hear people say, I gave my life to Christ during COVID. I found my faith in Jesus during the pandemic. My faith was tested and grew and became solid. I grew roots during the pandemic. I believe that that's like prophetically happening. And then firsthand experience, I see more and more churches that weren't worried about a live stream. Overnight, everyone had a live stream. Yeah. And, and it used to be that social media was like this promotional tool. And then all of a sudden churches realized that it's also a pastoral tool. Yeah. And I think that what I've seen is, you know, we did some things fall launch that are totally appropriate in our, in the state of Minnesota to meet and different things. And some of our students had not seen each other since March yeah. until September. And they're longing for relationships. There's people who are totally like looking for things of, of spiritual things like YouTube. A lot more content of Christianity is being created. A lot yeah. more. The number one live stream user on Facebook is churches. Wow. And that happened during a pandemic. So to answer your question, like, you know, screens um, are a great starting point, but it's not the completion. You know, there's a longing in our hearts for so much more that um, is the future of the church only digital. It includes digital, but you can't replace face to face. Right. People you can't are replace longing. the community. Yeah. 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 People are longing for that, man. That, yeah, I just, I noticed that there were people that like we, our church, thankfully here, it has been doing live streaming for 10 years or so. So wow. we were thankfully ahead of the curve, but like there were people that, that were, I would, you know, for a while we couldn't go to the church building. And then after they opened up, I think for a little while, my wife and I kind of wanted to see how things played out. So we were still watching at home a little bit, but there were people that would, that would comment and they were, they were taken in church for the first time because they could watch it online. And I'm just, and I really, I have talked to a number of people on the show about that because, you know, had a few pastors on and I wanted their perspective too. And most of them were were pretty encouraged that um, when, when, I guess, when those people feel comfortable coming back to the church that now they will feel like they've already kind of got established. Because, you know, whenever you go into a church for the first time, you're looking at a new church, you know, testing it out, it can be really intimidating, but it's almost like, uh, you think of a restaurant or a store that has a soft opening. It's almost like these people are getting a soft opening to a church that they're seeing it online. They're kind of getting acquainted with the flow, the pastor, the teaching, you know, kind of what the church is about. Then if they come back, then it's not nearly as intimidating and they maybe feel like they could get plugged in. So I'm, I'm deeply encouraged that, that this, 
you know, that will be one of the benefits of what's happened is that churches will adopt technology. Ministries will adopt technology maybe in ways that they hadn't done before. And it sounds like you guys are kind of doing that as well. And I think podcasts have become kind of a, a really good thing too. I mean, people aren't traveling nearly as much. So maybe people that listen to podcasts in their car while they travel, that's maybe changes up a little bit. But I also feel like people are striving for content right now that they can that they can hold tightly to that can uplift them. Like pastor Derwin Gray was talking about his book called the good life, which is all about happiness became a bestseller on a number of Christian uh, publishing circles. And he said, who would have thought that during a pandemic, amid racial strife, that people would be craving a book about happiness and, and really devouring it. But people are looking for spiritual truth. They're looking for um, uplifting conversations. And so you know, podcasts like yours, hopefully podcasts like this one are, are things that people are seeking out. And I don't know if you've noticed that too. Maybe you've gotten feedback from your podcast that people are, are finding it during the pandemic. Oh my gosh. We watched overnight just the, the listenership skyrocket just because people are looking for content. Like you said, like they're at home more or they're looking for faith. They're looking yeah. for like some hope and where better to turn for hope than Jesus and the local church that actually gets to steward that hope of the gospel. And I would just say this Barna group illustrates so like the, the role of a pastor. I think a lot of pastors have been like, what am I actually supposed to do? Well, here's the thing. First of all, the mission hasn't changed. Your methods can change. But do you realize that among young adults, 18 to 30 years old, this is Barna's latest study in, in early 2020. It showed that two-thirds of millennials and Generation Z, 18 to 30-year-olds, don't have somebody who believes in them. So wow. only, only one out of three people in that age group knows that they have somebody who champions them, who cheers them on, who can, they can collaborate with. Wow. If they have a dream from God, they know who to call. Or if they have a down day, they know who can carry their burden with them, that somebody believes in them. And so I look at like the validity of any follower of Christ is we get to believe we can be the person who says your dream might be crazy. It might be wild. It might be outlandish, but I believe in you because God believes in you and he believes in me. And so I just look at the role of spiritual leaders, the role of content creators, the role of anyone who's involved in the church of Jesus Christ, um, as well as a small group, anything like that. Like, are you kidding? We can believe in people. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we, we complexify, if that's a word, not sure. Um, <laughs> you're a journalist. It's probably not. We'll, we'll count it. <laughs> okay. So we, we make complex the, the mission and, and we get all wrapped up in this elaborate vision when I think that sometimes Jesus is about back to the basics, simple things. Let's believe in people. Let's share the love of Jesus. Let's make disciples who make disciples and let's go back to the basics. And so I think like elimination of hurry, again, I love your vision going back to the, that because when we eliminate the hurry and get rid of the clutter and the distractions, we get to find what truly matters and reevaluate and then redefine what's our mission. What are we truly, why do we exist and how can we double down on that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, and this year, like we talked about, I mean, this has been one of those years where we really can hit home on that. And I hope people are realizing that living such a busy life is not always a badge of honor. And that's what John Mark Comer's book is all about. And what was really cool was, you know, during the fall when that book came out, Jefferson Bethke had a book that came out around the same topic. And then there were two other, yeah. uh, Emily Lay and Rebecca Lyons both wrote books. There were like four books that came out all about hurry. And when I, when I came up with this podcast, it wasn't necessarily that I was copying their idea. It just was that was on my mind a lot because when I was a teacher at my previous school, I was so unbelievably busy. I was, mm -hmm. the, head, I was the head boys tennis coach, the head girls tennis coach. Wow. I, was, I was an English teacher. I taught. I was in charge of the yearbook, the newspaper, and then I also was in charge of two committees. And I was like, my life is nuts. And so when my wife and I moved to Kentucky – I didn't, I didn't teach this past school year because, uh, I was 
ended, I was still coaching tennis at my previous school in Indiana. So I was kind of going back and forth between uh, Kentucky and Indiana. And then I was working a different job that kind of allowed me to do some writing and start my podcast. But it was like this idea that like, I'm finally in a position of life where I don't feel like I'm in a hurry and I feel like yeah. I have so much more clarity. Uh, and so now, you know, I, I took a year off from teaching and now I've, I've got way less on my plate and it feels a lot better to have that, that clarity. And so I think, um, as young adults, I think we can kind of get into this here. Cause I think for people in our age, our age group, we're very prone to wanting to add on as much as possible that the badge of doing, uh, more feels like, you know, we're, we're worth more. Earlier, earlier this year, I had uh, Daniel M. I don't know if you know who Daniel M. is, mm-hmm. but his book just came out. And this is what his book was about. It was You Are What You Do and Six Other Lies about work, life, and love. And it was just this, like, the people believe the lie that you are what you do. And I think our generation is so prone to believing that lie that we take on, we try to do so much because we're trying to keep up with people on social media that leads to this comparison and contentment and all this other stuff. So, I mean, we kind of talked about some things that challenge young adults. I guess for me, that would be the one thing is, is that idea that we have to keep up with people and, you know, keep up with, with what they're doing and prove that we're worth more or as worthy as other people. Um, and I guess what are, what are your thoughts on that as we look at, you know, young adults and trying to slow down the hurry in our lives? I would just ask one question that life asked me in 2018. Um, I left the the job that I had been like known for, I guess. I, I grew up at this church. I was for the most part well liked, maybe even loved by a lot of the, the young adults for sure and the congregation. The the seniors, they there's just I love every age of that church. And um when I left, I was asked of life, who am I outside of being the young adult pastor at Cedar Valley Church? Or who am I outside of work? And it goes to your point of we're human beings, not human doings. Mm -hmm. I, during that season, Cole, I I read a book called Anonymous. And um, the lead pastor had retired who hired me. And he gave some of the young pastors like his whole library. And I picked up that one. And it was, bro, it was like it called off the shelves to me. Yeah. So I'm like, this is like two years ago. And uh, sorry, three falls ago, and I pull the book off the shelf, and it's like everything I was feeling was words on a page. The author Alicia Britcholi, I've since read everything she's written, and she she writes about um, the sacred slow. Kind of ties in with our conversation today yeah. about her the, the sacred slow. She talks about um, forty days of decrease, kind of the art of fasting and just anonymous. She talks about Jesus hidden years that he was obscure and hidden for 30 years, 90% of his life on earth and 10% public. And I think that social media, it's a blessing. I, I want to leverage it for all it's good. I just don't want to be damaged in the process or right. used and spit up in the process. And The thing is, is social media puts 90% of my life and flips the script and makes it public yeah, and makes it a status, makes it a photo, makes it a story um, about everything. And so, man, I think that that's huge. And then to the young leader piece or to the young listener, to the young learner, maybe a young pastor listening, Susie Larson hosts a radio show here in the Twin Cities, and she's a great author. She said something to me that was really crazy. She's like, Josiah, what I see a lot of, she's like, is pastors in their forties who've hit burnout, take a sabbatical and then want to write a book. Yeah. And she said that her best advice to young leaders would be don't burn out in the first place. It's completely preventable. And so I think that it's preventing burnout is completely preventable. It's also wildly countercultural. And so I think that just answering the question of who am I outside of work? Who are my friends? Evaluating who are my friends just because I work with them? Who are my friends because we do something of a shared hobby? And then who are my true lifelong friends? Who can I share dinner with or break bread with? And who am I doing life with? Like, who do I have the ability to not do my hair in front of? or to just wear a hat or what, whatever it is for you, um, wear sweatpants around. Like yeah. who can you be your most 
true self around and investing in those relationships. And you might find a different answer than I did, but I would just say that if you're feeling overworked, overwhelmed, exhausted, God's will for your life was not meant to be that way. He has freedom. He has peace. And cool. Let me ask you this. What did you, what emotions did you experience during the gap year of switching jobs? And what emotions like are you experiencing now that you have quote unquote less on your plate? Well, much like you were talking about, I was, I was finding my identity in my job. I was very well liked as a teacher at this job. I was very well liked as a coach. I was very successful as a coach and it was at a school that most of my family went to. And so I had a sense of pride that like yep. a lot of, a lot of Claiborne's had gone through this school and wow. I had now staked my claim at this school. I didn't, I didn't go to high school there. I went to a different high school, but it was kind of cool to have my name attached to it now, but it was really hard because I was very well liked. And then my friends yep. were all in Indiana where I was from. And so when we moved to Kentucky, it was hard. Cause like, we don't have a ton of friends here yet, even though we've been here almost a year, just cause a lot of our college friends don't live here. But what I also experienced was like, I've realized that, and I'm actually in the process of writing a devotional that's all about contentment, identity, and comparison, because that has been one thing that I have struggled the most with was, I think when I first started this podcast, when I wasn't teaching or coaching, I was trying to find my identity in this podcast or in things that I was creating or other things like that. And I was just kind of like, God pulled me out of that. And I think Rashawn Copeland said this in his book, if God pulled me out of it, I'm not going back to it. And Amen. I think that stuck with me. What it was just kind of like, you know, not that I don't miss my job. I loved my job in Indiana, but I also feel like God has put me in a new position and it is now my calling to do everything that I can in my new position. And so I think I've been able to to start shifting this idea that my identity was in who I was as a coach or who I was as a teacher at that school. Cause like my old team is playing right now. They're playing tennis in Indiana right now. And I haven't been able to go to any matches and I've been okay with it. Like that yep. those guys have been playing. My buddy is coaching the team now. And like, I, yeah, I miss those guys, but I also, I'm not longing for it every day. I, I, I found that my identity is not in who I am as a coach, not in who I am as a teacher. It's who I am, who Christ tells me that I am. And so I think this year has been a really yes. good eye opener to have some of those things stripped away and not put all of my stock in what I'm doing. It's actually allowed me to, to not distract myself. And I think one of the things that John Mark Comer writes in his book is that we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And I think at times that's kind of where I was leading myself, even though I'm a strong Christian and I'm a practicing Christian, I was allowing so many other things to distract my attention away from what it needed to be. And that was on Jesus. Incredible. And, and I think my prayer is if, if somebody was listening to this and they feel this burden of overwhelmed, exhausted in their soul, like I would just say to you, there's hope, mm-hmm. there's help, there's health, there's healing. And man, I I think that for, I I wish that every Christ follower could experience the relief that you just described, the emotional security, just the peace opposed to the anxiousness and anxiety. Yeah. I think for young adults, we, we struggle as a whole with identity. We struggle as a whole with contentment. And what was interesting about Daniel M's book that he pointed out was Um, you know, a lot of us are already in debt because of college debt, but with the rise of social media and us trying to keep up with people, people are literally going into more debt in order to present themselves in a certain way online, whether that's taking a trip to an exotic place that they can't afford just so they have cool pictures, buying things that they can't afford so they can post about it. People are literally going into debt because of their appearance. They want to appear outwardly in a certain way. And I would just caution anybody listening to that, that it's just not worth it. Like it's Mm -hmm. so much better to be your true genuine self, even if that's not traveling to Iceland or Europe all the time, like just be your true self. If your true self is just kind of living a, you know, everyday, uh, you know, ordinary life, like I'd rather see that than then see somebody always trying to keep up with everybody else because it's just not realistic. And I think that's one of the hard parts is that we are, we see everybody's highlights on social media. We see their successes. Rarely do people post all the time about their, their failures. And it was funny whenever I talked to Daniel, I said, I wonder what it would be like if I created an Instagram and showed nothing but just the menial 
uh, run-of-the-mill moments of my life. I wonder if people would be as interested in that as they are seeing everybody else's highlights. And so we're just geared to seeing everybody, you know, we want to live vicariously through people. We want to uh, enjoy really? the successes that they're enjoying because maybe we can't enjoy it for ourselves. And I just, you know, I've always tried to be genuine and I'm not always perfect at it, but I, I think for me, that's what I've realized in this past year is that it's so much better to just be genuine and be who we are and whatever that is. Like God has made us to be who we are. Nobody else is like us. So we should not yeah. want to be somebody else. And one thing that I realized was that everybody that we want to be also wants to be somebody else. Isn't that crazy? So the person that we think will be better off. Like, all together. Like, hey, yeah. I'm going to be happy if I'm like them. They wow. want to be somebody else. So they don't have it all together. And so I think for me, that's been really um, just accepting like, and really celebrating the uniqueness that we all have. Like there's nobody else like Josiah Keneally. There's nobody else like me. And I shouldn't want to be somebody else. Cause then that robs everybody else of who I am or it robs mm-hmm. everybody else who you are. And so um, as I've been writing all this stuff about comparison and contentment, that's really what I've been preaching to myself this year really is that um, we're all given such unique traits by God that to, to really want something else than what God's given us almost like, feels like it's an insult to God, in my opinion. It's good. So what have you seen uh, that we kind of talked about, like the, the challenging parts for, for young people, but what have you seen as maybe, what, what, are, what are you most encouraged by when it comes to young people? And you may have already touched on this a little bit, but whenever you think about young, young Christian leaders, what are, you mo- what, what, are, what are some things that you're incredibly encouraged by? Man, I'm so encouraged looking at this next generation. So when I spend time on a college campus, my heart just comes alive. And part of that is God's calling and anointing and just authority of walking in that. But man, when you sit with sharp students, Mm -hmm. they have dorm dreams, they have gifts from God. And it's like um, Monday, we, so yesterday we had a gathering led by students. And it's incredible to see small group leaders that are really, student disciples making disciples of other students and to see the worship team students to see the the door holders the greeters their students and to see like the people bringing their friends it's students and so i just think of young adults are not afraid of to try something they're they're not afraid of starting something whether it's a business whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a podcast you know, um, it's, it's so fun to see, honestly, and I, I, I don't know the stat on this, but it's fun to see the average age of the podcaster. It used to be like the, the thought leaders and experts, man. They were like silver foxes. They were like gray haired, yeah. nothing wrong with gray hair. It's, it's just, that's their, their age. And now it's like, man, people during the pandemic are like, I'm going to start something. Yeah. I'm going to add value to people's life. So I think the passion Um, The idea that for young adults to say the applause is not about me, it's about God. And to give God the glory, man, I think that's awesome. And when you look at millennials and Generation Z, how self-sacrificial in a Christ-like way they are towards causes they believe in. I was watching Shark Tank, and here you have Mark Cuban talking about how people don't want to buy an item they want to buy a cause. Yeah. And you have like that, that theme resonates, whether it's, you know, Tom shoes or Warby Parker or um, just anything. Or I think of my friends who've a friend of mine launched a, a movement. That's a run called 30 for freedom. And they have raised this year up to $800,000 wow. to end human trafficking and it's young people. And so their families are on board. Their parents are giving, they're giving, of their time, of their bodies to maybe run 30 miles to do something crazy like that, to do tough things for people in tough places like Venture talks about. And so I'm inspired looking at people who say, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a, a young adult ministry. And I think that when you see a student tr- or a young adult, somebody who's young, truly understand who they are. You said it earlier, but I am who God says I am. And when you grasp a hold of that, the freedom, the anointing, the power, the gifting, the abilities that come with that, it is unstoppable. Yeah. 
man, that's great. I love that. And you were mentioning, you know, people, people want to invest in a cause, not a, not an item. And, and we were talking last night with a friend of ours who he and another buddy uh, created a clothing line. And my, and my wife asked, and he, it's called almost home. And my wife asked, what, what, what was the mission behind that? We didn't know. And he said, we're all about prison reform. Uh, we're, we're, we're wanting to help equip and clothe people that when they come out of prison, that they can transition back into normal life. And so I was like, wow, that's like really cool now. Like I definitely want to buy a shirt because I know the cause. So I think you're right there. Uh, but to tie a bow on this conversation, I guess, uh, you know, going back to the hurry stuff, um, the question I always love to ask people at the end here, and we'll, we'll kind of change it up a little bit since this year has, has already kind of slowed us down. But, but I guess what has been the most rewarding thing for you in kind of a slower year? And then on top of that, you know, what did you kind of do uh, for fun during these moments where we didn't have as much to do? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I think that for me, I, I said it earlier, but I became a dad first time dad, girl, That's, dad, yeah. our daughter Aurora was born uh, in April. And so our life totally slowed down yeah. and um, some time off work, some time at home, just some time as a family that was a treasure, man. Like, just getting to hold and rock and feed like that, that has not gotten old. And there's yeah. moments where I'm, I'm sure I'm patience and um, still being sanctified. But man, I, I just look at that has been like one of God's greatest blessings. And I consider it a, a privilege to be her dad. And so I, I look at that. I look at like, man, every day, just taking my smile seriously. Like yeah. I, I'm, grateful that God has given me this day. I'm going to rejoice and be glad to, to just open the word and to just dive in and say like, God, what are you speaking today? To go for a run, clear my head, pray, dream, think. Um, and then I love to create things, whether it's writing. You mentioned, right? Um, I try to write part of a book every day during COVID and I've missed a few days. And some of the words I will probably never use, yeah. but that's been a really fun outlet. We uh, my wife and I co-host a podcast and that has been really fun to record. We used to do it in a studio. Now we kind of set up a home studio. And so, man, just um, the ability to read it's I've tried to do what John Piper says, 15 minutes a day reading. And it's yeah. amazing to read four five, six books just during this time. So yeah, that's how I would say it is just like to enjoy each day. And to, to spend time with family, to spend time with friends, and to slow enjoy the day. Well, awesome. I love that. I love that answer. And, um, you know, I, I could definitely resonate with the reading. I had a goal of finishing 25 books by the end of the year, and I'm, I think I'm at 12. So I need to, I need to speed it up a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I've, I've really enjoyed that part, just being able to, to not really worry about having to come home and watch a watch a Cardinals game or watch a whatever right. whatever game is on like I can just come home and like spend more time with my wife I can just kind of go out for a walk and it's a little different now that the school year has started and I've got grading and lesson planning and all that stuff but um yeah I remember you know early in the summer and the spring it was nice to just kind of be like man like there's nothing on our plate and we can just kind of relax. And I wrote, I wrote something earlier this year that was kind of like, you know, not that I ever wished for a pandemic again, but like Christians, like, and anybody really like, we needed to use this time. Like there may never be a time when everything is just completely halted and we don't have any distractions. So I definitely uh, will cherish that part of the pandemic. Obviously the other horrible parts, I won't cherish that, but right. that small part of it, I will definitely cherish. Yeah. And that's optimism. That's looking for the silver lining, even in a challenge. And, you know, we were able to similar to you, just use this time to rest, refresh, but then prepare for the future mm -hmm. and um, create, do, do things in a new way. So I, I agree with you, man. Well, Josiah, this is great. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and speaking so much truth about uh, young adult ministry and, and what young adults face right now in our world. And, uh, Obviously, I love talking about these topics. And so grateful to have you on. And uh, thanks again for, for sharing your thoughts. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. Well, I'm so grateful for my friendship with Josiah and grateful for this conversation as well. I think we got to talk about some really pertinent topics, things that are really facing 
young adults right now, especially in the Christian world. And I just really appreciated his insight and appreciate the work that he and his wife are doing to minister to young adults. Hey, make sure you reach out to Josiah. Let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this episode. Share this episode. Make sure you tag him, tag me. I'd love to hear from you guys. If you listen to this episode, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. You can find me on there. All of my links are going to be in the show notes. And you can also find Josiah's social media in the show notes as well. So give him a follow and let him know that you enjoy hearing him this week on the show. But guys, we've had some beautiful fall weather here in Kentucky. I hope wherever you are at has also been able to give you some nice, crisp fall weather. So enjoy this week. I hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.